0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Discovery Season 4 Finale Homecoming. Thanks to each and every one of you who have joined us for the season of Discovery. If you're new to the show, we appreciate it. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the who's stirring yourself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man?
1: You know what? I am glad to be here. I'm enjoying Picard. We've had Discovery, and as always, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, sir.
0: And also on the podcast, we have Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here for this, the final episode of the season. Looking forward to talking about it.
0: Oh,
3: yeah. Should, should it be a fun one.
0: And last but certainly not least, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, dude?
3: I am good, man. And as always, I get to talk trick with a bunch of great friends, so it couldn't be a better day. We are
0: not going to beat around a bush. We're going to get right into our review of Star Trek Discovery Homecoming, which was written by Michelle Paradise, while the episode was directed by Alatande Hassan In the season four finale, the DMA approaches Earth and Navarre. With evacuations underway, Burnham and the team aboard the USS Discovery must find a way to communicate and connect with a species far different from their own before time runs out.
2: Spoilers.
3: Red alert. All hands stand the battle stations. i
0: give you the right. You
3: cannot destroy an undefeated. At ease before you sprain something.
0: Like I always go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode, sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. Cal, what do you have for us today, man?
1: So, since this is the finale and I've not really had anything kind of verbose this season, I thought I'd go a little bit longer than usual. So, here we go. Sometimes, no matter how hard you look, you will never find what you seek. Sometimes a losses journey is predictable. Sometimes fiction crossing nine opens friction's door. Yet the door to four, with many ups and downs and rights and wrongs, has closed. The chapter ends, but the book lives on. Oh, God. <laughs> but should it though? But should it <laughs> though?
3: <laughs>
1: Sometimes a loss's journey is predictable. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Jeremy, give me your high-level thoughts of this episode, sir.
2: Not the strongest finish I've seen from Discovery, but still pretty good. Mm. John, what do you think? Mm,
3: I'll say this. I really love this episode, but I'll, I'll turn this around and say, when you set the bar so low, really, though? Oh, wow.
0: Wow. The vitriol coming from your mouths. Cal Jones, additional thoughts, sir?
1: I wish Picard was not airing right now. But we could have Lower Decks airing along with it. So there you go.
3: Oh, touche, sir. Touche.
1: Mm, I don't even know how to feel about your hell of a view.
3: We don't know how to feel about this episode. Okay. Right. Let, 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 me, let me get my thoughts.
0: As many problems as I have with this episode, I do feel like they did stick the landing. And probably in a more satisfying way than they did in the previous season. Now getting there, I feel like we had a bunch of hiccups, which I didn't really love. But when you get to this finale, I think they did a great job of sticking it and, and, and setting us up for what's, you know, is coming next. A lot of closure. I think they did a great job of
3: that. So did they really stick the landing or in uh, Captain Rios terms, a targeted crash?
0: They stuck the landing, man. Come on now, come on. <laughs> okay. and, and we could, no don't don't get me wrong. I have serious issues with this episode, and we're going to talk about it. But I do think they did. Again, you look several episodes back. I think the last three episodes were not my favorite. Were not my favorite. With that in mind, I think they did a great job on this one. It, it was definitely a step up from those previous two,
1: three, two to three episodes. So, so, so let me add this and. I'm so sorry for everyone listening that I keep going back to referencing Doctor Who, but I'm sorry, that's my biggest frame of reference. That said, this season, while nowhere, nowhere, nowhere near the cluster that season 13 of Doctor Who was, it reminds me a little bit of you have a narrative that you want to tell, but you're not quite sure, or you don't have a good, solid way of putting those pieces together, so then they feel disjointed. That's kind of how I felt the entire season. I love the story. I love the acting, but I felt like some of the choices, not in the actors, but in the writing and the direction, felt like you were going one direction and then another direction where you were wondering, like, huh? Huh?
3: Hmm.
0: Any other comments before we get into some of the details of this episode? So let's do it. Whatever it takes, we start the episode with the Federation headquarters at warp, headed to Earth for evacuations. I feel like this is such a cool function of that station of that size of going to warp. But Jonathan, I have to ask you because you are a DS9 guy. It has moved on a few occasions. But did you ever think we'd see something like this in Star Trek?
3: No. No, 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 and I, I honestly I never thought it was possible. But I mean, we are far in the future, and it's funny you mention that because on that scene, my immediate thought was, I remember DS Nine moving, and that was like moving a planet with a ant. Like it, it, yeah, it was terribly hard to get it to move just a small amount, and here we are with a space station moving at warp.
0: It's pretty freaking amazing to me. Equally as cool was seeing an entire deck slip out from the space station and like go into warp. I'm like, oh, that's so freaking cool.
3: Which kind of would justify the reason why this station can go to warp. Because if each deck has its own separate warp engine, you would assume that all together they could warp the entire station. Yeah,
0: no doubt. So Tilly's back with her cadets. Great to see Mary Wiseman make her return back in the saddle and taking control. But what did you guys think of Tilly and Vance working together and also in turn risking their lives to protect Earth? Je- Jeremy, any, any thoughts on the Tilly-Vance interactions?
2: That was very Star Trek and it was wonderful. I think those scenes with those two together were probably the best parts of the whole show, the whole episode.
3: I I agree with Jeremy Hills. It, it was great. And just I don't know it's probably a combination of both but the two actors work really well together but also the two characters blend perfectly together yes so we have a fully overly emotionally Tilly with a very unemotional Federation leader so Vance like has not up to this point has not shown us hardly any emotion at all so it balanced out perfectly
2: I don't know if he's unemotional, but he's very restrained and very, I guess, professionally emotional, I guess would be a way to say it, because I'm sure he has emotions, but he was just he's doing the his job, putting his emotions aside and doing a great job of it.
1: So while I loved everything that you guys are just talking about, I do want to give a nod to something that they did there. They make reference, Vance makes a reference to something called the Mitchell and says, give the captain an accommodation that's mm. actually a nod to the actor, Kenneth Mitchell, who has played three Klingons, and he was also the character last season who was with, I can't remember, osira was that her name? Yeah, yep. he was a scientist. Yes. Yes. So, I'd, I think he is a big Star Trek fan, but he is also, uh, he has- ALS, I think? Yes, ALS. And that was just a nod to him as the actor, and- I read that 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 they did. and I thought that was cool,
0: but also a huge shout out to uh, the USS Yelchin, which is a shout out to Anton Yelchin, who was in the J.J. Abrams movies. He had an unfortunate accident where he died a few years back. So, you know, another shout out to to him as well. I think it's pretty cool. Any other thoughts on the Earth sequence before we move on? We can take it to the logical conclusion. Any other thoughts? Because, you know, I feel like it was very good, but wasn't a lot of there there, uh, in my opinion. But the acting, of course, was amazing. So just any other thoughts from anybody before we
3: move on? Just great visuals. I, I did enjoy that. Yes. And I
2: like the fact they brought the cadets back, too. Tilly telling them they are not cadets. They are acting in the Federation. They are like full-grown members now for, yep. the, for this instance. And watching them do that and be that, that was really good.
0: Totally agreed. So moving on. Damn Dammit Stamets. I love the pacing of the bridge crew scene. When we first get back to Discovery and they're talking about how they're going to escape this orb. This one, a few scenes this season on the bridge where I felt like it was busy and they were working and, and just a camera movement. Maybe it's uh, Alatande Sasami's direction on that, but I thought it was all really good. Burnham looks to confine the entire diplomatic delegation because she didn't. At one point, I think it was a member of her crew. She kind of knew it had to be somebody from the delegation, which I thought was was really cool. But were you surprised when we get there and Commander
1: Nadoye instantly confesses? I kind of was. But for some reason, I was remembering something that one of you said last week. And I think it was in defense of her saying that she was just doing what she did because she was the representative, the general of Earth. And from the perspective of I did it, it didn't work. Now I'm taking responsibility. I know I was ready. You know, I was not into <laughs> that character last I respect the character for her bluntness of saying, hey, it was me. Because I think you would have watered down or weighted down the the story if you would have gone to who it was. You would have... Maybe have needed another episode. Yeah. And
0: I I think it kind of, and we'll get into it later, but I kind of got a theme going through this episode. Hashtag no consequences. And she's on the list. But John, do you have anything to add?
3: I did expect her to come forward Uh, when they were heading to lock them up. When she appeared at the door, I knew that's what was going to happen. And it, like I said, it's, I mean, she... I don't think she ever meant any ill will other than just trying to protect her planet. And just that's the mind she has. She's and it's mentioned later in the episode. She is strictly a military strategic mind. And in her mind that she was doing the right thing. And then when she realized she was not, she came forward with it because of her sense of honor and duty.
0: Great point. Great point. But I kind of started to think about it. And Jeremy, maybe you can help me out here. Zora is this sentient A.I. that resides whose body is Discovery for all intents and purposes. Shouldn't she have been able to lock out Nandoie, this random person on their ship from venting plasma? Is this just parts of Zora I don't understand and don't fully compute? And it kind of makes me say, why even have Zora?
2: Well, I'm starting to think of Zora as as a, almost a person. And when she gets singularly focused, she loses sight of what else is going on. So maybe the venting of the plasma wasn't, at that moment, you know, something worth investigating. We'll go check that out later because we have to worry about this right now. So it may not have been something that she was concerned with at the moment and would have gotten to later. She's a computer. But she's taking on a more human personality. Distraction is part of it.
1: Mm. Maybe there's a gem and some of the... um Members of the crew were exercising and she she was distracted.
3: Who knows? Well, I I alluded to this earlier when we were first kind of exploring her consciousness. And I said, this will be a problem going forward because a normal computer will sense an anomaly and acknowledge it as just that. Whereas Zora now senses an anomaly. She also finds out who it is, what kind of person it is you know, what she assumes may be this person's intentions. And as we all probably would assume at that point, if we weren't the audience, we were the crew, that what she was doing was logical. Like maybe Captain Burnham ordered her to do that. So, I mean, as a person thinking about it, you would be hesitant to say anything.
0: Okay, fair enough. Let's talk a little bit about communicating with 10C. And there's some stuff that I'm not buying, so... (laughs) <laughs> mean You had it out about this in the last episode, but <laughs> when when it comes to communicating with Tennessee, they assume Discovery is working with Book and Tarka and they are one or whatever they said. They, they, they can't figure out a way to convey the message to Tennessee that they are not together due to the nuance of the language and them having no concept of individuality
3: are we buying that you know so if i had a problem with this episode this was the biggest one and i i'm, I'm going to kind of jump to the end but i mean we cannot figure out how to tell TNT that book is is like they they are separate from us but at the end <laughs> all of a sudden we can tell them a entire story with all of the conjunctions and adjectives and like Yeah, I didn't buy that at all. Like at that point, Clarence, I was in full agreements with you. Like this language barrier makes no freaking sense at this point. Even even if even if okay, we figured it out and we can now talk to them fully. Like you figured it out that quickly, but we couldn't before. There's a problem. Hey, hey,
0: our girl Tasha from Mouth of the Snap said was going (laughs) to (laughs) town (laughs) in (laughs) a typewriter. How's he typing this fast?
1: Oh God! Yeah. So would you rather have somebody go to town on a typewriter than have a child have a tantrum?
0: Yeah, I like this ending better, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so, and 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 this is something else I think we brought up in the last episode. Tarina finally does a mind mill with Ten C. And to me, that's something that should have been on the table when we first got there. Like it was never even mentioned or brought up. Why do we think it took so long for her to even suggest this thing? This is to save the
3: galaxy.
2: Are betazoids no longer a species in this time because they would have been great for this kind of uh, for this kind of mission?
3: Uh, I don't know that betazoids, because betazoids are just pretty much. Well, yeah, I guess a full betazoid would be more telepathic. And yeah, they are key to emotions, but as far as communication, I don't know. Um, uh, but I, I just, I feel like the mind mail was a last resort because I mean, we, we know Vulcans are very private and mind males are very dangerous, even between a Vulcan and a human. So to do it with a species is somewhat mm. as powerful as 10C. I mean, you had to expect that it would be consequences to that. I don't
0: know, man. We've seen Spock mind mill with a probe, Voyager. He, he mind-mailed it with the Horta. So, I, I don't I don't know, Judd. Maybe you're right.
3: I, I do, I do, I'll give you this. I'm disappointed that it wasn't put on the table early on. Now, it, it would have been better if they had put that on the table and she would have explained the fact of why that needed to be a last resort. I, I, I do. I'm fully okay with her not trying that first, but I am not okay with them not even considering it.
0: So they're trying to get out of the orb and, and Stamets comes up with this plan to free themselves from said orb, which involves burning out the sport drive. And in doing so stranding them there for several decades on, on the voyage home, not much really to say here, other than I like the stakes here though. Um, It would have been better to me if we could have sat with the consequences a little bit longer. And that's kind of how I feel about this episode. Just a bunch of consequences that were introduced that we don't sit with. They're like instantly resolved, therefore uh, rendered null and void. And and this is one of them like by the end, oh, we're just going to send them home.
2: We could have had another season
3: of Voyager. (laughs) Yeah, we could have. Um, Yeah. but So this this season has just been about fan service i think it's just been a make happy season Mm. like there's there's not been a lot of good tv if i I mean lack of better words like it's just like we need
1: to make people feel good but i don't know it made people feel good
3: well the fans true fans i don't think really it made feel good but i think it was more directed to people that are not trick fans
0: well let's 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 get to that because I think we are talking about the same moment, maybe at the end of the episode, or are you just talking
3: about in general for this just season. In, in general for the season,
0: huh? So let's let's kind of table that and hash it out at the end because I think I'll have some thoughts on that as well. So back on Book's ship, rest in peace, Bookship. Tark is moving forward with this plan while Book is trying to talk him down as a last, you know, and only use that as a last resort. I think I said this in our last review, but books change of heart. Are we buying it now, Kyle, Maybe you can answer us
1: on, on this. Are we buying
0: books change of heart at I this point? I can't buy it.
1: I, I mean, I, I'm not even buying it. I'm not even taking out my gold press latinum to <laughs> even consider purchasing it because how? If she can't, if, if 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 they're supposed to have such a bond that he and Burnham are supposed to have. She can't convince him, but yet now he just has this change of heart. That's where I go to saying that this reminds me a little bit about Doctor Who Flux series 13 was because there are character choices that don't quite make sense other than let's move the story forward.
3: So I I, I have to say, I kind of buy it just for the fact that and I think he even mentioned this in in a scene like he started down this road and he, you know, as with any smart person, you consider the consequences of your choices and then you make those choices. And at the beginning, he considered consequences and he figured he could live with those. But with Tarka pushing him, he kept going to the next level. And then he would kind of have a, another come to another crossroads. And, well, do I make this choice or do I follow? And then it gets to a point where he's down this road. And in my head, I would be thinking, all right. I'm going to have to deal with these consequences regardless of what I do. So now I need to follow this to the conclusion. Like I need to finish what I started. Like this is the goal. This is what I was doing. Those consequences are become so great that they can't get any worse. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm still going to accomplish what I need and it's going to be best for all. But the change of heart comes when now the, the result of his successful plan is going to be too great. So now is mm. now the consequence is too much to bear. So now he has to have a change of heart because at the core book is a good person. Everything he did up until this point was to help other people. And really the only consequence up to this point was, you know what? I may lose my life or I may be arrested or in jail the rest of my life, but you know what? I'm going to do this because it's going to save so many more people. And it may be misguided because of his emotional state. But I think once he realized who Tarka was and realized the stakes were too high and now his actions are going to affect many more people. Now it has to be a change of heart.
0: Yeah, this one I really had to think about, because if you really look back through the season, no one really died from books actions up until this point. So was he doing things against the will of the Federation? Some people that he probably should have been working with. Yeah, he was definitely going against their will. I mean, it's just like if somebody bombs the US and me as a private citizen say, oh, I'm gonna go n- blow up their weapons facility with a new. That's kind of what Book did. He's went rogue. He went rogue. And I see his motivation and I will give him that nobody really died up until this point, but he definitely should have. I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard because I I can't squash his motivations because I do believe they're true. His freaking planet blew up. But by the same token, there should be some amount of willingness to work with this woman he loves and and their people, which, you know, the Federation is a powerful organization and he's doing it on his own. So I don't know any other thoughts.
3: Well, I mean, up until this point, I mean, yes, he loves this woman, but he knows that her plan leaves a chance for someone to be hurt and she will not change that. And he's going to go against her. And I think if he would have not found out Tarka's true plan and he had not found out how many people would have been affected by this action, I think he still would have went against Burnham. I don't think Burnham is what changed his mind. I think just as you said, just up to this point, no one had gotten hurt and now someone is going to get hurt.
2: So now he has to change.
0: Jeremy, should you Go ahead with the deal you've made with the devil and accept the repercussions.
2: I had a hard time with both his and I mean, I understand his motivation, and I get the change of heart. I think it was just too much of a one eighty. It was a screech on the brakes and turn around. It would, there was no climb, there was there was no natural climb to it. I'm just having a hard time with this whole separate plot line. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I still don't understand what Tarka's true motivations were.
0: And maybe that's my problem, too. I didn't. I don't think I bought the relationship with Oros. And yeah, that it, just... And maybe that's just my lack of acceptance of this alien <laughs> thing they had going on. I don't know. I don't know. It may have been me. But to me, it felt more like a parental relationship than a love interest. And it just felt weird.
2: It, we did. I don't think we saw enough of their relationship to really get Tarka's side of it. Cause he was like he was obsessed with going back to see him, but we just saw like a few scenes of them interacting and you know getting this, you know doing their getting their project done. So I, I didn't feel like I got enough of their connection to get behind it.
1: Okay, so let me let let me add to that, and I agree with everything you just said, but you know this goes back to my inconsistent characterization. So you've got Tarka up until that episode who is just your classic a-hole, is the smart-ass a-hole. So then you get him in this episode where all of a sudden he's (sighs) sympathetic-ish. And yet you have these (laughs) couple of scenes in that episode. And then next episode, he's right back to being your class A A a-hole. So that's why I'm saying it's inconsistent and I didn't buy it. I think you could have cut that whole Tarka out of it and focus more on the aspects of things that you guys were saying that you wanted to have seen, like the presentation of what, what would happen if we did a mind meld or whatever, the the book wrestling with the things that had happened to him. I think that would have made a much more compelling season than this Tarka subplot.
2: I, you know, and I think if they really wanted to go with the Tarka subplot, I mean, he is the smartest person in the room. Just ask him. He'll tell you. Yeah. And I think if he just kept on going with, I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm right. Let me show you I'm right. I'm going to do what I, everything I can to prove to you I'm right. I think that would have been much stronger than this than what we had.
1: The only pushback I would give you there is the smartest person in the room doesn't have to tell you. The person shows you.
2: But when you have the ego of the smartest person in the room, then they have to tell you.
3: <laughs> yeah, my, my only input on that is I, I couldn't, and I think you kind of hit around it, Jeremy, is that we didn't build enough of that relationship with Oros to form that connection. Like, I couldn't, for the life of me, I could not understand. Like, I didn't see that relationship enough to feel like he was willing to give up his current life to go to this other universe because he is rising and Risa is all into his purposes, a perfect planet. Like the weather is perfect. The people are perfect. You have sex whenever you want. It's like, <laughs> it's always just great. Like, and you give that up for this guy
2: and we don't really, we didn't see that relationship build enough to say that that was valuable enough. So yeah, we didn't get a relationship. We got an obsession and mm. no reason behind that obsession.
0: So Kyle book, conveniently picks up grudges collar. Did you like the hollow disruptor and how he used it to get out?
1: To be brutally honest, I kind of thought it was cheesy, but I thought it was, they had to get out some way. So I thought that was kind of cool, but you know, and don't get me wrong. I I liked the, the episode as a whole, but there are parts of it that I was just like, okay, let's go ahead and wrap it up. So
0: after Reno beams back and relays book's message, we see Nindoye. you know, to me, this episode is all about consequences and redemption. We see Nindoye make an attempt for redemption. And I just feel like there's so many weird parts of this episode. She had just betrayed discovery and now she's on a bridge and we're using her for this important mission to stop Tarka. I do agree with you guys earlier that says she's a soldier and that's, how she operates by any means necessary to to protect her people, but it was just weird for me to see her carry out this mission. Does anyone have any other thoughts in this attempt at Nodoyi's redemption?
3: I'm in the same boat with you. Like, I just, we need to see consequences happen, and remember, Discovery started on a very big consequence when Michael Burnham was arrested and put on trial. So, our main character, and I, I, I don't think Her actions were worse than any actions of these people that we're not seeing consequences for. So, yes, I get the point of having to ask her for help. But at some point before the end of the show, I wanted to see consequences.
1: Mm. But but let me ask this. Was it was it their place to render consequences on the general someone who is not a member of the Federation? At that time.
2: Yes, because she was on the ship. She could have potentially endangered the lives of everybody on the ship. Well she did So yeah, endanger. throw her ass just throw her ass in a brig where she should have been, which, you know, would have happened on any other military yep. and not dealt with her anymore until this was over with.
1: Mm. But as a delegate, did she have diplomatic immunity? Oh, no.
3: And I say that because I don't think I've seen the diplomatic immunity thing played in any trick. I mean, there's always been important delegates come on board like the Enterprise and DS9 that have done things and they were dealt with accordingly. Now, they had to communicate with their government on further consequences. But as Jeremy stated, like at the very least, she should have been thrown
2: in the brig or very minimum confined to
1: quarters until
2: everything was over with.
1: But that's what they were. That's what, that's what Burnham was about to do. Yeah. They did confine her to quarters,
2: but not for long because she showed up on the bridge <laughs> saying, let me do it. <laughs> no, because they called her to the bridge. If I could
0: help it anyway, let me know. Is what she said. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just feels like <sighs> I want things to feel like they have weight. And in this season, it feels like, wow. The stakes are so high. And what we're doing is so important. It feels like some of the fallout from that just doesn't have weight.
2: It's almost like they they did scripts for like 20 episodes, but I can only do 13. So they just throw a bunch of stuff out to fill up time mm. to fit that time, to fit the time restraints. So we're just missing so much little bits of information that would make everything make much more sense. And we're just not getting that.
3: It kind of goes back to me saying they, they're doing this to make the the audience happy. And that's kind of the culture we live in now where, you know, it's it's a gray area on what's wrong and what's right. And consequences are thrown to the side because we can't figure out those gray areas. And that's just kind of what people are looking for now. And, you know, I I know just as sure as you guys, we were raised to believe that there is a right and there is a wrong and the wrong will be dealt with consequences. And there's no debating in that. But now in our culture is that that's kind of a, all become a gray area and they kind of look like they're trying to reflect that. And I get it. I get it. I do get it. But at the end of the day, we're doing a TV show.
0: Well, let, let, let's go down that line a bit. That train of thought there. Does Tarkin survive? Does he have a consequence? Because I
1: think he died. But any other thoughts there? I think he died. I think he died as well. And I think that is his consequence. Well,
3: based on the way the show is going, like, again, everything is being tied off in a nice little bow. And it like that is just that's what it is. He died. Let's get it out of here. Let's not complicate it anymore. Like, it seems like this show is avoiding complications.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's let's get into this. OK, book. Everybody thinks he's dead. We live with that for like five seconds while the Tennessee brings what well, looks like the entire bridge crew down to the or the in the orb. and then. In what was almost too poetic, I feel like, book is back alive and well. And again, consequences. We're not sitting with anything.
2: I think we should have brought, I mean, I'm glad they brought him back. I like the character, but I do think it was too easy, too soon with, you know, no consequence.
3: I think it was right to bring him back. But I mean, what my problem was is that they brought him back. And then he wants to address 10C, and they yeah, allow it.
0: They just yes. saved him, and Saru's, like, typing away, sending his message. I'm like, Burnham, you are freaking comprom- compromised as a captain. You, the crying on the bridge, I know her love of her life died, and I know it's poetic, but come on, man. She's the captain. I can't think of another captain that would act that way on the bridge.
3: All right. And and even Saru, you know, I would expect, okay, this guy's been a fugitive of the Federation. He's the reason we're in this mess. He almost got us all killed. Like, and we know he's emotionally thrown off, like, and how he wants to address 10
1: Now that everything has already gotten to where they want it, right. they're just going to let him free reign.
3: And nobody questioned it. And Saru just starts typing, you know, <laughs> at least hear what he's going to say. And then Saru looks to burn him for acknowledgement of whether or not to send that message but we're not going to send word-for-word word verbatim what he's saying in real time and not even proofread it? Like, w- w- that, that was ridiculous.
2: Well, we were talking about communication earlier. We go from, you, uh, we go from caveman talk, basically, you know, <laughs> me, Federation, U10C, to this, you know, beautiful Shakespearean speeches <laughs> that, you know, nobody had time, nobody proofread, like you were saying. You know, it was just, it was, uh, now that being said,
0: I do like what book said. the the notion of Tennessee hiding behind a wall that they need to, you know, I think you can equate that to American borders or whatever whoever's borders. I I, I do like how that translates over to our real world. I think that's a, a poignant message. But should they have been translating everything he said, probably not. <laughs> and even his thought, I think I think Angus from uh, after the snaps Discord coined this phrase. The empathy bomb that he sent toward Ten Z. Why didn't we use that earlier? And we have these tools at our disposal. We have Book's empathy. We have Tarina's mind mill. Or, or, these are things that should have been on the table. Of course, Book wasn't with them. He's the only Quajanese person alive. Okay, I get that. But these are things we should have been thinking about when we're trying to make first contact. This is, this is something they could have thrown out to Book to bring them to their side. When he's going rogue, finally,
1: finally book gets what equates to community service. Let, let me just say, I would have much rather him have been presumed dead. And let's say Star Trek Discovery goes on five, six, seven seasons. This is season four. He's not in season five and then shows up mysteriously as a cliffhanger in season six, as a fan, I think that would have been much more enjoyable than knowing that he's out there doing community service <laughs> and may come back in season six.
2: I can get behind that. It
1: definitely would have gave his character consequences. But 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 you know what I'm saying? It's the it's the, it's the whole idea of from a fan's perspective. And I'm, I'm going to use what Jonathan said. To, you know, while I don't agree that this is all fan service, but from a fan service point of, of view. As a fan, I would much rather think this character is gone and then be surprised and then be wondering where have you been, as opposed to, hmm, where did you go and do your community service at these past five months or (laughs) At least you
0: know I'm at Michael. At least you know where I'm at.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Or at least Kovic could have took him somewhere. Wherever Kovic is just mm, taking people. Like that was just part of it. Like we're gonna turn you over to Kovic and you'll be working with him for the next 10 to 15 years. And then he's gone. And then, like you say, Kyle, he comes back in a later season and, you know, surprises us all with also a tidbit of information of COVID. That would have been interesting actually.
0: So, yeah, I think we've kind of talked that part out and we're getting ready to wrap up here, but let's talk about Stacey Abrams. Any thoughts on a currently running political figure in the United States stepping in to play the United earth president Any thoughts on that politics in our discovery?
2: So, and I kind of alluded to this when we were discussing Picard, and this is what I was referring to. Let me first say that I love Stacey Abrams. I love everything she's doing. If I was in Georgia, I would vote for her. But I think having her come into this part as president of Earth and giving that speech that she gave was too much fan service And not entertainment. When I watch Star Trek, I want to be entertained. I was not entertained. I felt like I was being preached at by a politician. Hmm. It's not what I want in Star Trek. And there's been, like, heads of states and and politicians in Star Trek before. And I was looking at this stuff earlier. The current King of Jordan, I cannot pronounce his name. I'm not going to try to butcher it. He had a small walk-on role in Voyager. He was an unnamed ensign, and he didn't have a line. He just smiled. And the scene was over with. I would have been happy with that. But I think this what we got was just too much woke, if I can say that. And it was unnecessary.
3: Agreed. And that and that's the biggest statement is like it it we're playing to the woke crowd in this in this season. Everything we're doing. And I'm not against it, but as you said, Jeremy, that's not why I'm watching this show. Like I'm watching this because I love Trek and I want to see Trek. But don't change my storyline just to fit a political narrative or to fit a woke narrative. Like think it, 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 and it
0: I think feels woke forced. Is a problematic. I think woke is the wrong word to be using yeah. in this case.
2: And, and I don't disagree. I just couldn't think of another word to use. Well, I mean, is it? I'm, I'm, and
3: let's just let's just say it plainly. Like it, it's you're trying to appease somebody here, and that's not what Star Trek was about. Star Trek was about unity and togetherness and all for one. But to throw this in here, you're trying to
1: appease one side or another. And that's not what trick is for. So, 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 so let me say this. And, and and I agree with every point that you guys are making, but, and I agree with Clarence and what he said. I don't think woke is the right word. I also don't think, you know, you're playing to a fan service or anything, because to me, fan service means I am a fan of whatever that genre or that property is, whether it's Spider-Man, you know, somebody could say, well, seeing the three Spider-Man spoilers, Spider-Man together is a fan service. That to me is a fan service. But if Peter Parker goes out and says, I'm voting for fill in the blank, to me, that's not a fan service. That is a writer saying, these are my opinions, or a producer or an executive or whatever, and sharing... Of uh, whatever those are,
2: and I fully agree. I fully agree with that. And uh, but um, you know, I think just the fact this was coming from a very well known or famous or infamous politician in the current times, I think that was just the wrong thing to do. Oh, I agree. And, and like I said, I want to be entertained. I was not entertained.
1: Well, the problem that I had with it is, while I may like Stacey Abrams or I may not like Stacey Abrams. The fact of if I do like her, then I should be ready to accept when the anti-Stacey Abrams comes on there, I should be as equally happy to see them or him or her than I am to see Stacey Abrams. But by putting her on there, then I have as a producer, writer, show runner, I have potentially alienated. Yep a portion of my audience, whichever side of the aisle they may be on, and I have opened up my franchise, my property, to ridicule by whatever media outlet it may be or by politicians from the other aisle. Case in point, there are Republican politicians who are kind of attacking star trek right now because of that decision to have her own there and like i said i'm not saying republican right democrat wrong i'm just saying as a property that was a wrong decision for star trek you should have not had an active politician and actually you in my opinion you should not have had an inactive politician as a presidential figure, that's just too on the nose, right? I, I, Absolutely. I, I,
0: yeah. Let, let, if I may, I, I do think when you look at the core values of what Trek is, maybe that does slant more democratically. I know some people will be mad at me, but that's just how I see it. I could be wrong. Be mad at me. But where the problem comes in here is that she's an actively running for governor person. She is actively running for governor. And you just made her the president on this show. As much as I love her, I have to say that it's crossing the line. Cal, I think you made the best point that I've heard here is what if you're going to do it this way? What if you have somebody on the opposite? But once you open the floodgates, you open the floodgates. And the fact that she's actively running and this is sort of an ad for her as a politician who is running for governor of Georgia at this very moment I feel like it's problematic. It's very problematic.
2: It's. And I agree. And, you know, my problem is not with the fact that she made a cameo. If she would have been like an unnamed diplomat with the Earth's diplomatic corps, that would have been great. I would have been like, oh, Stacey Abrams. Cool. Well,
0: I, 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 I think the fact that she's running for governor, it, if it was just a cameo, it would have been the same issue, I believe. Now they upped the ante by making her the president of, of the, the United Earth. But to me, she's actively running. She shouldn't be in a
1: popular show of any type. What makes it worse is I think she has said, because I saw a heading, Stacey Abrams says she will be the president of the United States by 2040. S- she succeeds quicker than that to be president of the earth in 2022. She made this statement, <laughs> oh. you know, so
0: yeah, it's, it's, I think they probably crossed the line as Mazzolo, oh, the yeah. person they, they, they crossed the line here. It's pretty clear. I feel if you're listening Please send us your opinion. Send us a voicemail because I would love to play it on the air because, I mean, we're not right <laughs> everything we say. That's just our opinion. I would love to hear other people's thoughts because, honestly, for me, I was I was clapping when I saw it. But when I started to think of the implications
1: of such, it it's a lot. Well, let, let me spin it a little positive and, and say at least I do know that she is a big science fiction fan. She's a big Star Trek, Star Wars And Doctor Who fan. So it's not like she is coming in literally knowing nothing about the properties. She's she's a huge Star Trek fan. And also when she shot this, it may not have been clear
0: that she'd run again for governor because she had kind of been out of politics, doing activist stuff type work, which is still, I guess, kind of problematic in the same sense. But she wasn't running for governor.
1: And to further what I just said, one of her agreements to do this was she needed to be. She would only do it if she was in a scene that would not give away the the overall storyline for the season, because she wanted. She didn't want to be spoiled.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was intense to talk about. Any other, <laughs> any other thoughts uh, before we kind of wrap up this train of thinking? I, I, John, I feel like you have something to say, sir.
3: I'll I just say this: coming from a person who's watched a lot of tricks. Coming from a person who absolutely loves Trek more than any show out there, coming from a person who's split in the middle of whatever social cultural divide exists. I don't appreciate it in my show. This is not what I watch Star Trek for. I watch Star Trek for scenes like Picard and all I just I just I, I want it to be Star Trek. I want to be what I want to watch. I don't want to have to think about it in this way. I don't want to have to wonder if it's a political uh, consequence or if it's a, you know what I mean? I don't want to have to think about whether or not Republicans will like it or whether or not Democrats will like it. I don't want to think about whether or not a black person will like it or a white person will like it. I want us all to like Star Trek and enjoy the show. That's all I want. And when you throw stuff in here, it, it hinders that.
1: If I wouldn't make too much noise by standing up and clapping for you, I would stand up and clap. How about we get ratings for the episode, guys? And we'll start with the Cal Jones. Oh, okay. Three. Three <laughs> somethings <laughs> out of five. Three. Wow.
0: <sighs> you guys are going to be harsh on this one. I see. Jeremy, what about you, man?
2: I'm going to go with a three. I think a three is it's justified.
3: Jonathan, what do you think, man? So again, at the top of the episode, I said it was really good, but it's because the bar was set so low going in. But that being said, I did enjoy this episode for the most part. Uh, There were some issues which we've already hashed out that I've had. And all in all, as far as me sitting down watching the episode and my enjoyment level, I would give it a 4.2. Oh, wow.
0: Interesting. Interesting. For me, again, I think it's a better finale than last season. Although there are problematic parts of it, of course, we've talked about it. We've hashed that out, but I feel like the resolution, uh, or as we put it in, in all Doctor Who reviews, sticking the landing. <laughs> I think they did accomplish that. So I'm going to be right where John is, uh, 4.2 for this episode. I think overall this season has not been our favorite or not even our most highly rated. But uh I think there is some good to be had in there and at least the finale for the most part did kind of uh, right write to ship. Hope next season, I hope next season is <laughs> is a little bit more well written and a little more fleshed out because of course we have to remember this seat, this season was shot and produced and edited during the pandemic, which is still no excuse because Picard is awesome. So, yeah, with that guys, we're going to get a quick Trivia from John. John, what do you have this week for us on Trek Trivia? All
3: right. So real quick, uh, Cal stole my Discovery Trivia. That was the Mitchell. But I do have a a Picard reference to trivia. And that is we all know about Q and the Q Continuum and the omnipotent beings. But throughout Trek, there has been mention of four individual Q people or souls or whatever you want to call it. One of them is the Q we know and we've seen on Picard. What are the other three?
2: Um, they were actually in three separate episodes of Voyager, all with the original Q. One was the Q who was the, in the asteroid, who was banished by the Continuum, who ends up killing himself. I think they end up calling himself uh, Quinn. There is the Q who Q mates with, and then there is Q's son Q. Oh,
0: ah, look
3: at you, Jeremy.
2: I know a little smart.
3: Well, there's one more, Q. Wait, you said three more. Okay, well, that, you I don't remember the one he made it with. It was a woman,
2: um, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, not obviously, they're gods. I mean, oh, go well,
3: yeah, yeah, I do remember I do remember that one. So, there, that's, so, but there's one more. If you remember back, I think this was a TNG episode. It was Amanda Rogers. She was a, a protege of Dr. Crusher. Her parents were Q, and they decided to live a regular life on Earth. And they had a child, and the Q Continuum killed her parents because they left the Continuum.
0: Yeah, I remember that episode, because she was, like, started displaying, like, Q-like powers on the ship, and then Q came and got her. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. Good callback. Jeez. I don't know if I ever would have got that one.
2: Well, I'm just going to still be impressed with the three that I came up with. (laughs) Yeah, you found one I didn't remember, so good job.
0: All right, guys, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the episode. If you have questions or comments, please send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Thanks for joining us for this season of Star Trek Discovery. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com/subscribe.
1: for adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right. It's the podcast Discussing Who. Exploring
0: the worlds of Doctor Who past, present, and future. Find out more at DiscussingWho.com
1: You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com